four guys, one tub. Rub a ducky, you're the one. <laughs> you, you make, make bathtubs so much fun. fun. Rub a ducky, I'm awfully fond of you. Do, 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 do. God, that sounds like a phase piece. Hello, comrades. Welcome to the 55-1 Podcast. My name is Wes Berdine. I am joined by a man in a muscle t-shirt on Zoom, Corey Schreppel, also known as <laughs> Troy. Uh, we've got Mark Fangmeyer, Rodrigo Sanchez-Javaria. Uh, hello, everyone. You all ready to, to do some podcasting here? Let's do, do it. it. Yeah, okay. Um, we've got uh, like the game talk of uh, Minnesota United versus Houston. It's a 2-0 win. Um, some of that feels like kind of mundane to everything else going on. So let's, uh, let's jump into, we've got a lot of little news bits. Um, good news, Rodrigo, I'll send this to you. The mayor's cup happening, uh, October 8th. What is the mayor's cup? So the mayor's cup, um, is a tradition that started, uh, between Como and Humboldt, um, and it was high schools, high schools, yeah, high schools, um, in which the, you know there was a cup that that um that was going to celebrate the fact that these two teams were playing and the fact that also you know there is the there, there is a good rivalry between these two teams but also it, as coach Erickson pointed out in his article on the park the is it the park bugle yeah the park bugle um it's also something that we wanted to they wanted to name after the mayors and I think at that time mayor Coleman who um, had had kids playing in one of the high schools in Billy Central, like his support for soccer and support for St. Paul soccer. Uh, it was a way to, to kind of honor that and talk about that. And I think a couple of years ago when Issa was a freshman, um, Mayor Melvin Covered came to the Mayor's Cup. And they've always had a representative from, from St. Paul City come in and come and show up. So... Hopefully, uh, Mayor's Cup this year will be at Allianz. Or it will been, be. You know, yeah, yeah, that's what they're going to announce by the time you've actually heard this podcast. Yeah, and so it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, it's been like a three-year process, and so it's really nice to be able to see two teams that are, you know, mostly BIPOC teams, uh, students of color, being able to live with a lot of us or at least me has always been a dream of not be able to play in a professional stadium uh, and be able to to play for something that matters which is the you know mayor's cup so well big big news out today that isa watch uh big big striker contributor to this uh podcast is retiring from organized soccer and uh that will be her swan song and so um yeah it's gonna be october 8th the times will be all announced soon but it's gonna be like late afternoon and then uh all the drunk dads are going to end up at blackheart and it'll be very weird and um so yeah it'll be great i'm really excited about this um other good is um that minnesota women's soccer um i'm just going to keep on talking about it on this podcast so you guys have to love it um teased four names that that are going to be part of the voting that investors will be a part of um, voting on they've teased those on monday four more are going to come out tuesday so you'll have seen those probably 
The four that came today were Arctic Minnesota, Iron Minnesota, Minnesota Aurora, River Minnesota. There's going to be 16 names totally revealed on <clears throat> on Wednesday. There's going to be a noon uh, live stream, so like uh, clear up your noon uh, lunch schedule um, on Wednesday, and we'll go through all of them. And then uh, the the kind of one of the people who works uh, doing the design, who did the temporary logo design, Ali Renke, um, Matt Pravatsky, and I are going to talk about how we got to this point, where we're going, et cetera. So. I went through the four initial ones with um, our five-year-old owner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, oh, man, if uh, Minnesota Aurora is not picked, you are going to have a very angry mm. owner on your hands. Because, be, there, there might be other names. Who knows? The but the thing is, here's the thing. It, so I don't know how familiar you are with Frozen 2. Yeah. But the voice of the mother on Frozen 2 is done by an Icelandic artist named Aurora. And because of that, suddenly my daughter got really interested in Aurora and then the Northern Lights and all of this. So like she's she's pretty committed to it. And so I just want to let you know, it's I mean, it's not just like Northern Lights. It's like a Frozen 2 reference as well. So it's it runs pretty deep. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that the Minnesota Orchatas makes the round of 16. But that's... Uh... that's, that's well, well I'll hope. just sit there drink, uh, singing Vampire Weekend. Is that Vampire Weekend song, right? Yeah. Um, well, it's around December. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, Rodrigo, you could have invested and submitted that name, and then it would have promptly gone through the review and not gotten into the finals. But you know, um, so uh, anyway, those those are all, <laughs> yeah. um, those are all that's all happening this week. Um, MLS, and this is another good. Uh, we we didn't know where to classify it, and then I took over the notes and I put this in good. MLS and Liga MX are going to expand the league leagues cup to all forty seven teams. This is going to be basically a World Cup style tournament that will happen every August, and I'm extremely excited about this. Um, Concacaf Champions League obviously doesn't have the same um, uh, cachet as UEFA Champions League. Um, it takes it has a weird schedule. It's broken up halfway through the year. Um, MLS does terribly. Um, but what this is going to do is because it's condensing it, both leagues are just taking a break. It will actually have a lot of the World Cup drama, and I will actually watch more neutral games. And yeah, I'm really pumped about this. I think that this has a chance to be like an actual annual event that is really cool. It draws attention to both teams and. Um, you know, MLS needs to do well, but, you know, at least it'll be fun. Well, I think that's the key, too. It's like MLS needs to do well. And I'm very curious to see how, like, um, it's going to work out as far as, like, salary cap, a salary cap league versus a non-salary cap league. And, yeah, I there's, you know, it's going to be great if the uh, MLS owners agree to open up the purse strings a bit. And uh, just start paying players more because I mean, it's going to be embarrassing when you have a team like you know Club America, you know playing. I don't know who's what is it Cincinnati? No, Vancouver. I think Vancouver is like the lowest salary team in the league at like, and I, the Club America is like what like nine or ten times them, and like it's just just it's just terrible. So like, it's always interesting because like, and again, you should everyone should just go and listen to last Friday's uh, allocation disorder because it was fantastic and they talk about it for this for an hour, but like basically like, you know, MLS is all about parody and like having like, you know, the best teams being able to compete with the worst teams in the league and having it all be kind of 
central. And it'll be interesting to see if that parity shifts so that they have to start competing with the Mexican teams as well. So I'll, I'll be curious to see if that happens. I'm also, I'm also kind of curious to see how it's going to shake out with, um, with that gap in the season. It does it, you know, does it bode well for a potential shift in how MLS breaks up its season? Like, is it going to be something like Liga MX down the road where they have a first half and second half, and then they go to a playoff? Um, you know, first half, second, uh, I forget the names of them, um, but first half and second half uh, champions, and then they go to a playoff thing. Yeah, Rodrigo? Uh, apertura and clausura. Yeah, that's sure. exactly yeah, you're right. Um, I think it's just going to be great. The only, the only thing that I have a concern about, like Mark, is finances with MLS teams, and then also how does this affect the Gold Cup? Does this have a disincentive? U.S. Open Cup. Yeah, sorry, U.S. Open Cup, thank you. Um, there's so many cups. Um, too many cups. Yeah. Yeah. There's two cups. I think one cup, actually there's, there's only one cup, two teams, one cup, two teams in one cup. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's usually how, that's how the finals work. I mean, we're just describing what finals are. Yeah. Two teams, one cup is, (laughs) I mean, for me, it's just the, the logistic aspect of this whole thing, how this has potentially of being a, a nightmare logistically, um, as to how they're going to do, do things. And in addition to that, it's like, uh, you know, if you, if you look at, you know, Copa Libertadores, if you look at Brazilian League, like it's like nonstop. Like there is no gap in between for players to be healthy. And I think this is going to lead to not only player health and durability, but also is going to rely with the team with the deepest bench aspect of it and quality bench is going to be more successful. If you were to talk about the Seattle and Leon game, right? Leon at, at 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 one point during the game was able to bring in DP players off the bench that literally took over over the game for them and, and sealed the win. And I think that is my concern specifically with this. I'm excited to be able to to invite this kind of tournament in it, uh, but I'm also concerned not only with the logistics, the player health, but then also. We'll be, be hopefully we'll be out of COVID and how that's going to work with everything else and how that's going to be able to, to play a role into this whole thing. But excitement, yes. Well, for uh, I'll, I'll close this off with this, but th- I think the fact is we need to extend how many competitive months players are playing in North America because, you know, we have a problem where in MLS there are players who are not playing competitive soccer November, December, January, and February. That's too long. Um, now, w- this means that we are going to, in Minnesota, have a team playing probably in early February or something like that. We have to figure out what that is. So, so the schedule will be impacted. I am just excited about this tournament. There's lots of things that will come with it, but I think that this could be a lot of fun to watch every year. Um, let, let's move on to some bads. Uh Washington Spirits co-owner Michelle Kang um, broke her silent on the toxic work environment there. Um, the, the, there's the whole sell the team, Steve, thing. Washington Spirit have been in the news a lot lately for being an absolute just terror. Um, just a terrible place run by terrible people. Um, and I, I'm, it's really great to see one of the co-owners who's coming in and saying, like, I came in here specifically for this and... I am going to call this crap out and I'm, I'm tired of seeing it. And so 
I hope that they get their stuff together. I, I think there's so many NWSL teams that are just not run well, but Spirit, take the cake. Congratulations, Spirit. Number one with the bullet. Uh, bad uh, for the Baldies of uh, of MLS. Although there, I don't know if there's any Baldy Beardos, so maybe maybe this is the problem that um, uh, Yap Stam, uh, who me, I got fired by um, FC Cincinnati. I had one win in 16 matches. I did not know that that was it. Oh my god, they are so fucking bad. Oh, just terrible. Um, they should hire year over year over year. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't know if there's anything to say there. Um, uh, then there's this bad, which is about, uh, Mexico's anti-monopoly commission. Um, who wants to take that? Who wants to tell me about this? I can talk about it. So basically going back over the last, I don't know, like six, seven years, basically every large club in Mexico has been colluding with each other to, keep uh the salaries of uh their women's uh, the women's clubs uh to keep the team's salaries down uh and basically also blocking uh players abilities to be move to other clubs so like just totally limiting um competition and uh for salaries and whatnot and just stifling it all and they got fined for it and the really ironic part is that like the Mexican government find them. So you know that none of the money is actually going to go to the salaries of the women who had their salaries uh, kept down and whatnot. So it's, it's all just terrible. And it's just, it's just more awfulness. There's no way to put it. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Liga MX for create or Liga MX Femenil for creating an entire league of Washington spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, who wants to give me the weird? <laughs> this is this story is just has, was all over this week, but it's it's good. Uh, so the Suri is a Suriname uh, vice president who is uh, sixty years old, and his name I believe is uh, Ronnie Brunswick. Um, is the owner also of uh, Inter uh, Mongotapo? And um, he actually was, uh, he like decided that he was going to play in this uh, CONCACAF league game between his team and Olympia. Uh, And he's 60 years old. And uh, the funny thing is, is he also has a son that plays on this team. And both father and son played together. Uh, And of course, they lost six to nothing. But what's the really like controversial thing is after the loss, you see the vice president going and someone live streamed them from the Olympia team, um, went into the locker room with uh, and did like a like a jersey exchange and then started handing out money to each of the Olympia players <laughs> like he was paying them off. Uh, and it's like. All levels of like CONCACAF levels and the fact that this guy just didn't really care about anything else, which just, just makes this really interesting. The interesting fact is that a 60-year-old man was able to play 54 minutes while his son was only able to log in 29. So They have now both been uh, banned, or the t- both teams have been banned from uh, CONCACAF uh, for, I think, See, I, I just don't understand the outrage. Like... 
There's a simple explanation. Basically, I mean, I'm pretty sure that as the owner of the team, he's also responsible for the catering part of the club that has to provide meals for the opposing team. And I, I, I think just the catering folks didn't come through and he was just handing out per diems to like go get some McDonald's to everybody. Yeah, that's that's right. it. Like, just, yeah, I don't understand just, the big deal. It's just Jimmy John's money. And he's like, yeah. hey, you know, if you guys, hey, if you guys. Go get um, you a number 12. Add some sprouts. Yeah. If you let me play and don't like kill me. Mm-hmm. I'll give you some Jimmy John's cash. Um, <laughs> all right, let's let's take a break. We'll come back and we will talk about uh, Minnesota United. Here we are. It's the Fifty Five One Podcast. We're here to talk about Minnesota United. I think this will be a separate section because we have to talk about kind of the events of the last two weeks. Um, we talked last week about the supporters groups having no capos and no drums up there um, basically to tell the team they've not called it a protest. I think I'm, I'm not sure why that actually confuses me, but um, they want the team, the the people, the supporters want the team to have a vaccine mandate. It's something very doable. Portland Timbers have done it. Other places have done it and the team uh, res- resisted. But then there was finally a, a meeting that they they wanted to set it literally at 6.15 on Saturday. Um, and instead it was at 4.30 on Saturday before the game, which is a bad sign. Um, not much will come out of this. And so I've talked to now, I purposely don't go to these types of meetings so that I can be my own separate ent- or like just because I have baggage, right? Everyone knows, everyone hates me. Um, but um, I've talked to multiple people and especially the Red Loons and, and kind of, uh, got permission to kind of give this this basic update, which is that all of the supporters groups, the the three main ones now that that are there, T and E, Dark Clouds, Red Loons, um, came together with the same uh, demand, which was basically put in a testing mandate. If uh, if you don't want to show negative tests, then just go get vaccinated. Right? You can do these two things, and um, the team came back to it and basically just wanted to have nothing to do with it. Um, they said that, um, that essentially um, they wouldn't be able to do it and that it also would be a bad idea because look at Portland Timbers. Um, they did it and they lost, they had a 30% drop in attendance. Now that seems crazy. And I, I thought that was crazy. So then I looked it up and talked to my Portland Timbers friends. And uh, it's because the last game before, was the Seattle Sounders home game, 25,000 people. The next game was a midweek game against Colorado, 16,000 people. The games after that have been 21,000 people, which all season long, 21,000 is the average attendance. So they're using kind of bullshit numbers to, to support this, which is very frustrating. But the most important thing is that literally what they're telling us is um, money is the most important thing here, right? We don't want to lose attendance. Anyone who was in the stadium last weekend looked at the Wonder Wall, and it was two-thirds full, a half full. It was definitely huge gaps. The, the camera did not take um, shots of it, and so they were avoiding it. And, and, and as somebody who doesn't sit in the Wonder Wall, and from my vantage, so about halfway between midfield and the Brew Hall, looking around... I would say on average, each section probably had 10% of its seats empty. Yeah. You know, either, either, either 
clear blocks of season ticket holders who didn't show up or blocks that were could have been sold elsewhere um, empty. And then especially in the luxury suites, the more expensive seats, lots and lots of empty stuff up there. So the team says that they are trying to thread a really delicate needle. Um, and what they're doing instead is actually just picking the most cowardly position, which is that um, they're choosing a side, which is we know that these people aren't going to show up, but we don't want to take a, a position that will upset these other people and not show up. Now, we already know that the Twin Cities Metro has a really high vaccination level. Um, like, there's going to be way fewer problems there. But I, I guess what really upsets me about this, and what I think is reflecting what, what upsets a lot of the other people from the SGs, is that the team uses people from Wonderwall in all of their marketing. In, in fact, Chris Wright and the entire success of this uh, uh, marketing and, and sales stuff is built on what Wonderwall has built, right? Like they use scarves up all these things that we invented and we created because we love this team and gave it to the team. They use that. But then you have people who create the chance, who create all the new stuff, people like Adam Jarvie, people like Ava Pody. Um, you have the old school people who I ended up sitting in a friend of mine, Greg Smith's seat, who hasn't been coming to season uh, games all season. Um, you have all these people I know, and, and it's a, a list of probably 60 people I know who aren't coming to games. And that's just the people I know. And they're the people who have built this. And you're saying to them, I'll use your I'll use your picture in marketing, right? Like Abe, how many how many he's up on the capitalist stand? How many pictures of him are in their market uh, in all these photos and videos? But we don't mind that you're not showing up because you've got a newborn and don't want to be at these games. Um, we just don't want to upset Tom from Lake Crystal Pepsi, and that is, I think, what makes me so livid is that people like Chris Wright, who have absolutely no conception of what soccer fandom is and what how this team has been built the way it is and why Wonderwall is special, that they just throw it away and that they won't listen and that they don't view these people as equal partners. They view them as brand ambassadors. And that bullshit absolutely kills me. I ended up leaving the game. I ended up leaving the Wonderwall and sitting with my friends because I was so livid. And then I ended up, I had to go leave the game because I had to go man the door to help do the vaccine mandate at my own fucking bar, which turns out, it's not a problem, guys. Like nine weirdos don't want to can't, can't come in the bar. Um, I, I just I've just been so livid about this because I've seen the ways in which this team completely neglects or antagonizes the people who build this team, and uh, and it it drives me crazy. Well, it's it's I've said it in in our Patreon Slack channel and. I'm a relative newcomer to the sport compared to a lot of people, definitely newcomer to the Minnesota sport. And it's kind of clear where, I don't know how to say this, but it's like the way that you described it, Wes, where it's, they view the supporters as influencers and brand ambassadors and not a foundational element to how the team can grow and be not not a tertiary or peripheral voice in the conversation 
with how the team operates and what the direction for the team should be. Um, not talking tactics, not talking players. We're talking community. We're talking branding. We're talking um, what the voice of the club is. And it feels like the, the team has consistently used that really strong support for its own benefit. And it's not, um, it's not a two way street. It seems like a, a portion of the supporter groups are fine being influencers and being um, mouthpieces for the front office. And that's their right. And that's fine. But it's, it's so incredibly frustrating to see like it's, it, it's, this is the first season that I've actually felt this in a very negative way where before I'm looking at it from the outside going, Oh, okay, well, there's some weird stuff going on, but this is the first time that I've actually seen it when it actually matters where the people that are the reason that Allianz field is such a stronghold. And one of the gems of soccer in this country is because of the wonder wall is because of the supporter culture here. And to see the team use it as primarily marketing is incredibly frustrating. I don't want to belabor it. Um, you, you others can, can make points here. Um, in general, here's my philosophy, philosophy about soccer, which is that uh, like, actually it's most organizations or whatever. It is that the thing that is created is not created by the person with the money. Thank you, Bill McGuire for saving soccer or whatever. Um, you have abs- absolutely a role, and you should have decisions about what players you sign, etc., things like that. However, the thing that brought you into this game, the the thing that was at that Tampa um, playoff game, that was created by people who buy season tickets, and they don't own any of that capital. They never accumulated. They've never asked for anything except for things like this. They've asked for a fun team. They've asked for a safe environment. They've asked for a team that recognizes the community and makes sure that it's not exploiting them when it builds things like stadiums and that it is a reasonable partner. It, uh, they ask for things like, we want you to actively live out our standards, which is anti-bigotry, anti-racism. And that is what is asked of the team. And they have consistently, uh, basically, spat in the faces of supporters. I think this meeting, everyone, even, you know, I, I know that we'll talk about a little bit about the SG wars. T&E left this meeting just as angry as everyone else. And I know that Wonderwall right now is talking about what's going to happen because I think, what well, we have two weeks off from a home game. Um, there is, there, everything is on the table. And I, I think that if this team does not figure it out soon, they're seeing people permanently walk away. And they can go do anything else. They can go watch Minneapolis City and get the same joy and come to a Minnesota United game once a, a year. They can watch it on TV. I, I like. I know exactly. that I am like at this point probably not going to go to the stadium the rest of the year. I'm just so mad, um, and I'm like not going to broadcast that on Twitter and make it a protest. I'm just I'm personally just very disappointed in all these uh, in the team. 
So th- that's it. I want to be done with the rant. And if you guys want to add anything, that's fine. Uh, I'm just, I am mad and I, I wanted to also explain what's going on and hopefully at least um, share some of my personal anger. And I think I'm reflecting a lot of what I heard from the people who were in this meeting and also people who, um, who were there, like the people at the capos who I, who I saw who, who were down. I do want to say, oh, people asked about the SG war. I want to finalize this. Um, I literally do not care about the SG war. I know that there's lots of people in one of the supporters groups who very um, adamantly hate me, and I just do not care. Um, and I don't think it actually is helpful for anyone to perpetuate this stupid bullshit. Um, I was disappointed to see people on the capo stand, um, but because the, no one called it a protest, they can do whatever they want. Um, and I, I really think all energy has to be put to the team and getting them to do the right thing. We are in a global fucking pandemic and we need to do things that actually reflect that, which is having a stadium that, uh, that actually is providing a somewhat safe space. And the team, sorry, I should say this. The team said vaccine mandates actually don't work. That's what we're told. So mask mandates are better. So then they were like, okay, well, what are you going to do a mask mandate? Oh no, that's really tough to enforce. Our, our um, employees get yelled at a lot. So it's like, okay, so you're literally doing nothing. Oh, this isn't as good as that, but we can't do that. So we're going to do nothing. And instead, Tom from Lake Crystal Pepsi can still come and uh, sorry. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's, for me, it's just extremely frustrating to um, be told that a, a team or entity cares about what we do in and cares and talks about and preaches that they are part of a community when in reality, you know, they they really haven't even made that attempt, right? And I think for me as someone who lives in the city, right, and lives near the stadium and has unvaccinated, you know, unvaccinated minor, knowing the fact that um, every Saturday or Sunday there's potential extra, you know, five to six thousand whatever the number is of unvaccinated people coming into my neighborhood and 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 the place that i've you know invested my money invested uh my time and invested um you know my my, my sweat and and equity is, is 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 not willing to to listen to to reason or common sense and that coming from like a medical perspective and i think that's just you know um, that's just extremely disappointed and frustrated. And like you, I, I, you know, I'm more than likely probably start selling my tickets and, and trying to figure out another way to, to, to not be at the stadium. No. And the thing is like, when it comes to like, Missy United, you just want a club that you can be proud of on and off the field. Like just a club that's like yep. doing right by something. And this is just a time where they've just come up so short. Like, I don't understand it. Like, what? why do you need Chad from Anoka, like, to come in? And you don't want to anger him. Like, I, I just don't get it. And um, I don't know. It's just disappointing. Like, for example, I mean, we were trying. Last weekend, I was out of town. And my wife was trying to find someone, anyone, just to join her at the soccer match. And... She couldn't find anybody. Like everyone's like, "Oh no, I don't want to." They don't have any sort of safety like measures in place. I, I don't want to go and be in a giant crowd where there's 
absolutely nothing there. Like that's just ridiculous. And like, I mean, to Rodrigo's point, like good luck even selling your tickets. Like there is no market for anything. Like, and I don't know from a business perspective and I have, I have a freaking MBA. Like I know business, like how that helps you in just diminishing the value of your experience at your stadium and making it there no secondary market for something that's supposedly a sellout. I just don't get it. Like it just seems stupid at this point. Like you kind of just want to flick someone in the forehead and be like, do you understand who your target market is? Do you understand that you're in an urban environment? Do you understand that like this just makes sense and it gives people a peace of mind to feel like they can come and safely watch a soccer game. And when you don't do that, you're just, you're just dumb. I mean, that's all, this is the only way to put it. Like they're just people who have 85% of their ticket revenue is from season tickets. They're already pre-sold. They already have the money in the bank for this season and they think it's a short-term problem. And therefore they don't care about the long-term ramifications of people not going to these matches and that's it. It's all selfish money. And that's all that it is. And that's, and that is ultimately what it is because it's not terribly difficult to scan for vaccination cards. I was in New York last week, every place indoor or outdoor asked for proof of vaccination, every single one. Um, we're at concerts here in the Twin Cities, outdoor and indoor. Every single one asks for proof of vaccination or a negative test. Um, it is not that wait, difficult. Wait, Allianz Field hosted the Minnesota Opera. And I will say that. Yeah, and I will say that. And the reason for that is because the musicians union and the crew union require that. And so that was... If Allianz Field wants to bring these people in, they have to do that. Granted, much smaller audience. All of that, logistics aside, the thing regarding all of this is the team does not face these issues in terms of communication head on when we have these uncomfortable problems. Um, they, they just, their silence is completely deafening because they do not want to address it with their public through their communications and PR marketing, however. And that's the extremely frustrating part. If they just came out and said, we're not doing this, this is why. The Twins aren't doing it. The Vikings aren't doing it, blah, 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 blah. This is the guidance that we have. This is why we're not doing it. Instead, we get a bunch of non-answers and then we get a bunch of mysticism behind the scenes with the supporters groups that just causes way more problems for the team and for their supporters than if they just came out and said, we're not going to do it. All right, let's take a break and uh, go take a bath. Back on the 55-1 podcast, let's talk about the actual soccer, which we would love to do if it didn't uh, mean risking our lives. Uh, Minnesota United beat Houston 2 to nothing. Um, this game with the earliest goal from Minnesota United, 51st uh, second. Um, this came from like right at the back. Ozzy and uh, Tyler Miller pass it back and forth. It goes to Metnir, goes up to Fragapane. No, no, no. First it went from Metnir to, to Reynoso, right, who had a great trap for it, and then to Fragapane. Then to, uh, fantastic pass to Lude. It's a great pass, great run, fantastic finish at the far post. Um yeah. It's also a fantastic finish at the near post. Was it at the near post? 
because he yeah. he's Finnish and he was a fantastic finish at the near post. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> he'll be here all night, folks. Um, <laughs> then, then the second I swear, one, those pasty arms are just so distracting. Second sometimes. one came so early uh, as well in the seventeenth minute. This was a total, total shit show goal, which which was a, a Finley given go with Lud. Um, Tim Parker, the great center back for Houston, who just absolutely should be rescued from Houston. Um, ham fists an intervention, uh, and Finley steals it, gets a shot off. The keeper gets his meaty palms to it, um, but it, like he he was like he hadn't washed his gloves after like eating a ham, and uh, and so it's stuck there, goes there, and um, they try to save it off the line, but it goes in. Um, it, think we don't think that MLS doesn't have goal line technology. Yeah, thank God. Uh, right. Did you see? Did we see it? Is it was it really in? Uh, it was really in. Yeah. It was really in. All right, good. Yeah. It was really in, but um, some people don't think it's in. So. Okay, well, those people are in Houston, and that's a terrible, terrible city. So. <laughs> um, oh, with MLS, but Minnesota um, was was pretty fantastic, especially in this first half. A lot of really quick movement off the ball. It is really great to watch um, Lud and. Reynoso passed the ball so quickly. Um, it's great to watch how dangerous Finley is. He had um, a couple really good chances. Lud had um, almost scored another one. Um, the team is 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 clicking a little bit. Is that was the same true in the second half? Um, because Heath was mad about it. But what did I had to leave early and then watch was watching while doing the door. So tell me about tell me about your impressions of the game, guys. I think overall, you like. We said I, I've said this before. Like, if you, you're supposed to beat bad teams, and Houston is a horrible team. Like, Christian Ramirez must have seen a magic eight ball or something when he was like, "Yeah, I'm not staying here because this team, even with Darwin Quintero, I don't think he had a choice in this." So, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying it's a smart move in a sense because Darwin Quintero probably right now wishes he could get out of this team. Um, I think. You're supposed to beat them. We should have really beat this beat this team six to two, but we also gave up a lot of opportunities once we got Lacey in the second half. That um, that um, you know Tyler Miller was able to to protect us from from doing that. But I just I just really felt that this game of any of them was probably the game that you were supposed to get points out of anything, right? And so. Yeah. Whether it was three points, was whether by two goals, whether by six goals, right? It it was it was that tenacity that you needed to be able to put this team away because this team had literally no, um, no no real cohesiveness to to creating stuff, right? I mean, Darwin Quintero was yelling at people. People were yelling at Darwin Quintero. Darwin Quintero would only shoot um, at Tyler Miller's hands, right? I mean, yeah. like it's you, you just, it's one of those things, and we had opportunities to be able to put this game away even more and uh, unfortunately we weren't able to to produce that but one of the things that really like really was was interesting for me is that we finally seemed to rediscover the the importance oh the the importance the 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 way how important through balls and playing ball into spaces can be when you have someone that's making runs and this team has had players making runs all the time but no service and now, it's, and now it's, it's kind of like Fragapan is beginning to take that sort of role that's willing to be able to, to play those balls into open space. 
for for players or or hardworking running players like Finley to be able to take advantage of as well as Lewis. So, I mean, I kind of disagree in that fight. We're playing the worst team in the Western Conference, and if Tyler Miller hadn't, you know, stood on his head, it'd be a completely different story. Like if they had actually, like if they had actually finished their chances and Tyler Miller didn't make those great saves, and also like our expected goals was not great. Like we didn't make that. We didn't have that many. Opportunities yeah, after the first two goals and one point seven seven for Houston. Yeah, and like also, if you look at the duration of it, like, I mean, for the first you know like seventy minutes, we were at like point five expected goals, and for the most part, you know, after the first thirty minutes, Houston was right there with us as far as expected goals. Like they're making the same amount of opportunities and scoring opportunities as we were, and that's just not what you want when you have your you know, you knew when you have your attacking four healthy, and that's what you're doing. Like, it was. I I understand why Adrian Heath was upset because they looked bad, and then like it's not comparatively because they were playing a bad team and they played to the level of the team they were playing, which means they looked bad. And then in the last like you know, as Houston was pushing in the last like five ten minutes. It was really bad. Like they were kind of dominating. Like so, I I don't know. I I don't think it was a good performance. After outside of like the, you know the opening kind of like fifteen minutes, where we had some you know we we basically took our opportunities. So and after that, it, I'm I'm not I wasn't too impressed with the win. I'll say this: um, we were at least good for the parts that I really watched, which I forget when I left. It was probably sixtieth minute or something. Um, we were good. They were garbage. Um, uh, and, and I think, you know, rewatching what I watched then from on the TV and then rewatching the, the chances that they had in the second half, um, they continued to be garbage, but they had better chances. And I, I think for me, this was, we were pretty good. They were bad. Um, uh, you know, when, you know, there's the categories that I always talk about, I have for games on, on this podcast, which is, um, uh, we were good. We deserved to win. We were uh, lucky to win. Uh, we were unlucky to to whatever lose or whatever. I don't think we were lucky to win. I think that um, that we were lucky. I guess that Houston fucking sucks. <laughs> but because they did have chances, you're totally right. But but honestly, like it was harem scarum toward the end. Helter skelter, I guess is the correct uh, phrase there. Um, harem scarum is a phrase though, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm just gonna say words. We were shuber duber uh, toward the end. Uh, <laughs> Shoopy boopy boop, <laughs> skleebadop, and uh, um, you know, I, I I guess I guess sometimes you know you're not always going to be glorious the whole game, especially in a game where you definitely wanted Reynoso out of that game. He was getting his ass kicked. He was. We want to keep him healthy, and you're already two up. You should be able to bring in Jacory Hayes. And lock that in, and they did. So I think to me that this is actually an example of they locked it down. They brought in uh, Coleman. Um, you know, they 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 held on to a clean sheet. Was it pretty? Was it sexually no. attractive? No, but you no. know, it got the thing like, done. And, and also, my point of view might be skewed because I also watched Portland just complete. Like, was it six one against 
Salt Lake this weekend. I was like, yeah, yeah. that's what I want. Yeah, sure. when we're playing the worst team in the Western Conference, like I just want to decimate we had and that Cincinnati game me. though. That was awesome. Remember that two years ago? Yeah, yeah. Um, we, well, the, we had that one time. I I think this is one of the better uh, games from Adrian Heath. Air quotes the tactician. Um, I agree with you, and I, I do not like I, Adrian Heath. No, no, I mean, look, really? whatever at, at this point, but um, I mean, very on brand, but I think, I think we're figuring out now what works. Like the thing that we're always saying is like, you know, that's the four, two, three, one. And I think now you're looking at Oz, now that Dotson's been out, Ozzy and Trap have been starting. They look great as like double sixes, if you want to call them that. And we just have these four guys just creating chaos up front. And it's kind of the stuff that we saw down the stretch last year. Um, I do think we started to eat to let up a little bit when we went to more of like that four, three, three with Jacory Hayes coming in. I think that's where, where the roles started to shift a little bit where they did have to bunker and defend. I think chases, I think chases he's, he's good. Like I'm, I'm comfortable with chase at left back. I want him to be better and I want him to be more reserved. I want his positioning to be better when we flip that switch to be more defensive because he does have this tendency to to want to get forward. But if you're trying to hold on to a 2-0 lead, he's got to stay back. Same with Metinair, like it, that like that flat back four, if that's what you are going to do, you're going to pull Reynoso out in the 60th minute, then do that. But they weren't snuffing out chances further up the pitch in the midfield with Ja'Cory Hayes and Will Trapp and Inazi Alonso. Um, so... But I did think it was the right move. And then he brought in Coleman toward the end. And like, yeah, all of those things made sense. And generally, I think we it was a good match for us. It wasn't the 3-0 against LA Galaxy. But I think it is a sign of like what's to come. I think, you know, if you're looking at teams above us, like Galaxy, um, you know, you've got Galaxy, you've got Colorado, you've got Portland. I think we stand a real good chance at competing with them. Um, whether or not we can beat, I mean, we have a game in hand and if we win on, was it Wednesday, um, we're tied on points and might be ahead of Portland in terms of goal differential because we're now at 29, 29, we have a zero goal differential. So I don't know. I think it's, it wasn't as great as galaxy game, but it was a match that you had to win. And I thought that it worked. I mean, in these last couple of games, we've seen where, Manu comes off the bench because he is not going to displace an Ethan Finley or or uh, a Robin Lude. Is, is are you guys comfortable seeing that, or do you do you see that as a regression? How do you assess that? I don't know, man. Robin Lude's fucking on fire, so I don't I don't care. Uh, is is that a problem? If 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 you've got someone who's playing striker and he's kicking ass, I mean, my only issue. With some of the roster stuff, is the sustainability of it like coming up? Like we have what, like what like eight matches in the next five weeks coming up, something like that. Like, ridiculous amount. Like it's all crammed together. Uh, and I, if you're leaning heavily on Alonzo, has been playing well, and he's been continuing to start. He's 35. Um, Finley, I mean, how he was injured last year for a stretch, like. How much do you want to lean on him? Like we have a, you know, we we played on Saturday. We have a match coming up on Wednesday. We have another match on Saturday. Like 
we have you know three and three and eight. Like, how much can you lean and continue to just play these guys without any sort of squad rotation? That's kind of my main concern about that. Is that maybe we need some squad rotation just to like re, just to like you know rest some people and let them rotate through. Uh, but again, like if you have Grey Goose and Dotson both injured, like what are you going to do? You have no options besides playing Ozzy Alonso. So um, I, I don't know what the answer is, but that would be my only concern is the sustainability of kind of relying on Finley and Ozzy and whatnot going forward. Uh, that's, a, that's a great transition because the, the question I have, the central question of this uh, episode is um, we're going to the playoffs and we have now seen two, I think, a great game. And I think a pretty good game. I think we're all at least on that level. And we see the attacking for finally uh, clicking. So, and we, I think we also seen a lineup that we really believe in. Can we, if we go into the playoffs and it is today we start the playoffs and so that puts us in um, a playoff game against probably what Kansas, no, against Colorado. Um, can we do anything in the playoffs? Do, do you think with this team? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. No, I, I think so. Like if, if we can go into the playoffs healthy, then yes. But we've kind of proven that if we're not completely healthy. Yeah. If Reynoso we, goes out, right? We, like we, he gets beaten up one game and he's out for the playoff game. And yeah, or even when like we were missing Fragapani and like mm-hmm. when we had to fill in on the on, yeah. with Dotson on the left, like yeah. when we're missing key guys in our attack or even our midfield right now, too. Like we're, we've done pretty well without them, but like eventually, like it's going to catch up with us. Like I said, like Ozzy's 35, you can't go on for the next eight games in six weeks or five weeks or whatever we have left. We have to be healthy, and like we've proven that when we're not healthy. Heath's tactics double the the issue of not being healthy in that like he sh- he shoehorns people into a lineup when it's not their best position and then we don't play well and like I think that's just what's going to happen and hopefully like I said if we stay healthy we'll be great if we don't it's just going to be a multiplying sequence of it kind of going downhill I mean can we beat people above us possibly no, um, but but we, although we, we haven't, tell, really, tell me though. tell me your but level. We haven't, though. Tell me we go in with this lineup now. Playoffs start tomorrow. Tell me tell me how you feel about things now, because obviously we know that we've underperformed for a lot of the season, and that's why we're in sixth place. Um, but tell me how you would feel with this going in now, Rodrigo. Uh, um, I mean, I would I would feel you know nervous in the aspect of like if we're playing a Colorado right um we and if we're playing at Colorado um it, it it's going to not be an easy game whatsoever and um the formation discipline that we've talked about that needs to be consistent as well as having a good start to this game which because the last couple of wins or good results we've had we've had fast starts um that's what you are banking on and um, I'm not so sure that we can continue to do that, specifically go into the playoffs without having some sort of other backup plan. Like, I think, is it possible? Of course, anything's possible, right? I mean, last season proved that, right? We beat SKC in a playoff win, playoff game. We made it to almost the, we, we made almost it, made we made it as far yeah, as we thought apart. we could be. Uh, but we, 
we were able to put it away. And this season has proven that if we are not healthy or if we don't have that that depth at the right positions, we are a mediocre team. So it, it depends really what team makes it into the playoffs. Is it the healthy team or the mediocre team? No, I completely agree. And like the thing is like our team, our roster is we're not built to be a supporter shield winning team. We're not going to slug it out and get all the points and like lead the league. What we're set up for is if we can have our starting 11, who is a very good starting 11 being healthy, going into the playoffs where everything's a one-off match, we're in a very good position. Our roster is made for the playoffs. And we, and if we go forward with that and we're healthy going into the playoffs, we're in a very good spot, but it's a big but is that like if something happens in the next, you know, however many weeks in the next month or so, and someone goes down, then all of a sudden that whole calculation is off and we'll have issues. And so it's, again, it's a crapshoot. Like we were, we went in last year and even our lineup last year was pretty much made for the playoffs as well. Like we had Molino hitting, we had everybody hitting at the right time. And if we can do that again, which it seems like we could, if we're healthy, we should be good. But otherwise, but again, like it's a crapshoot. So who knows? All right. So um, we've got two games this week uh, against DC United midweek, uh, 6.30 p.m. Wednesday. We'll have it on the Blackheart in the main room. And uh, and then this Saturday. It is yeah, a- uh, the, Juan, the Juan Chope derby, right? Yeah, Juan Chope's going to be Chope injured, derby. though. He's out. Which is a uh, really? bummer. Uh, still really the one choppy derby. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, yeah. Fernando Adi is not going to play. So there you uh, go. We just called the floppy hat derby. I was going to say it's, it's the bucket hat bowl. Oh. <laughs> I was going to, um, you you know, you guys can go check out a preview um, from the Filibuster podcast. I was going to try to be on their podcast uh, guesting tonight, but I had Minnesota United or Minnesota Women's Soccer Board meeting right before this. So I, I, I couldn't fit it in. Um, so go, go check out them if you want kind of a, their preview of the game. Uh, they're great people. And, um, then this Saturday we've got, uh, I think it's, oh shoot. I think it's 7 30 PM. Sorry. Uh, at FC Dallas again, please come hang out and watch it at the, at the bar. Um, I think, uh, I think that we should win one of these games. And if we lost one of them, I wouldn't, I, if we came out of this week with three points, um, it'd be all right. We came out of that, that really tough week uh, of three really tough games with uh, three points. And um, so it was one point per game, which is still better than our average that we were doing on those teams. So um, I don't know. We, anyone want to say any brief things about what your expectations are for this week? I mean, the beauty of our next two opponents is that one is one of our two uh, non-conference matches. And the other one is Dallas, who is, hopefully so far down the playoff like picture um, that they don't have much of a chance of getting in. So the nice thing is that like, if we're playing them back to back on the road, it's tough, you know, two road matches in four days. If we do lose both of them, at least we're not dropping six points to interconference rivals who are moving themselves up in the playoff picture. So that's the only positive yeah. about this is that if we don't do well, it's not the end of the world because mathematically it, Dallas getting three points and DC getting three points doesn't matter for our playoff hopes. 
The the other advantage is that LAFC, who should have overtaken us, uh, are just freaking terrible and cannot do it. And um, they should definitely hire, uh, fire Bob Bradley and hire a really good up and coming coach named Adrian Heath. And then we can hire Bob Bradley. He would, he would, he would love it in LA. Oh, Bob Bradley's going up. to Toronto. We all know he's going to Toronto next year when his contract's up. Yeah. All right. He's going to Cincinnati. He's going. Yeah. Uh, oh, they do love the Baldies. They do love the Baldies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They got. They uh, LA Galaxy dropped points last night as of this taping against Austin FC, uh, which is good for us. All right. We've gone long. I had a long rant in, in the middle of this. So let, let's, we're going to skip the Twitter questions. We didn't get a ton of them. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for um, contributing to community and creating soccer that is really fun. And, uh, you know, I hope to see you all out watching soccer, being safe. And, uh, yeah, live your life. You're beautiful. You're sexy. And everyone loves you.